0: And welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Did you know that we are the sum of the five people we hang around? Let me ask you, who do you hang around? And are they the kind of people that are helping you grow? or maybe even holding you back. Or you know what? Let's be honest. So many of us feel so isolated and we know that we need to find a community of dreamers, doers, growth seekers that will help us grow too. But how do you find those people? I have created a community of amazing goal getters who want to breathe life into you too. For $19 a month, You get a monthly live training Zoom with guest experts. You get daily coaching from me. I set you up with accountability groups, and we even have quarterly social challenges just for fun. You can check us out for a free seven days and then join the Dream Life Insiders at dreamlifecommunity.com. You need a place to level up and a community of support to do it? I got you. dreamlifecommunity.com. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. You guys, I'm really interested and excited for us all to hear our next guest's journey because he actually started his first multi-million dollar business at the age of 19. Now, I don't know what you were doing at the age of 19, but I did not think that I had the skills or the the, the mindset to launch a business and then scale it to actually earn Money. So I cannot wait to hear about what that looked like. But um, throughout his journey, he's actually had, you know, over 10 businesses. Some have been successful, some have been learning curves. But he's going to share with us all about the highs and lows of his entrepreneurial journey today. He, He spent years trying to find happiness through money, success, And pleasure. And he made millions, you guys, but at the end of it, he felt empty and lost. And he now travels the world sharing his unique experiences in the business world and coaching Christian business owners and top CEOs on what he calls the surrender principle. So we're going to talk all about that too. He is the host of Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. And his show is listed in over 50 plus countries with over a 100,000 downloads. And you know what? He loves to teach people how to pursue success and happiness uh, that lead to this moment of surrender and conversion. Because at the end of the day, we know that success, happiness, fulfillment is not through the money, right? It's through all the other little things that happen along the journey. So big Dreamcast, welcome to Joseph Warren.
1: Denise, it is my honor to be here on the show with you. Hearing that bio makes me think of like I'm sitting in a theater watching somebody else's life. You know how that goes. It, it seems surreal sometimes it the does. Thing that God has allowed us to pass through in our journey. And I shouldn't be here right now. That's the the honest truth. I was almost murdered twice. I, I should not be here but God spared my life. That's why I'm here. So oh I'm goodness. happy to uh, share anything you'd like to know.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, before we pressed record, he said, well, my life's not boring. <laughs> mm. like, And isn't that the truth? And honestly, that's how we know we're actually living. Because there's so many of us who are on autopilot. There's, it, it's easy to default to what's comfortable and what we know. And because 90% of our day is habit, it can be really easy to default to that and not take risks and step outside that comfort zone. And so you have kind of turned into a professional risk taker, learning and growing every step of the way. So I want to first hear about 19. What business did you start? How did you have the courage to do so? And how did you learn exactly? Like how, how do you uh, tell me? Tell me more.
1: Yeah. So let me backtrack just for a moment so I could build context for your audience, okay? because I think that's important. Mm-hmm. So I was raised in a family of six kids, three boys, three girls. Mom was a good Greek Orthodox woman from Greece, came over when she was 16. Uh, dad was a schoolteacher. Uh, she fell in love with a Marine and he was a Catholic and he had just gotten back from Vietnam and he really wanted to raise a family and do it right. Unfortunately, what he did he combined uh, Marine Corps training and Catholicism together. That's what you call redundancy, right? Too many rules, too much discipline. And we were like little soldiers growing up. And I do want to say we, we had a very loving home. We had fun. We laughed. We were kids. It was, it was fantastic up until age eight and a half. And something happened there. But before we go there, you know, my faith is very important because it was a foundation of everything. And we were taught to really look at God as more of a tyrant and a dictator and follow these rules and everything. And it wasn't relationship. So I really missed out on that as a kid. So now I wanted to rebel from that, right? So fast forward, eight and a half years old, my parents get divorced. Uh, It was a messy, painful divorce, two years of custody battles. It was very hard back then when Divorce happened, we had to make a, you know, a decision which parent we wanted to spend the rest of our life with. That was very scarring, very traumatic. I remember that, God bless my mom, you know, she just was doing what she could and my dad was doing what he could, but uh, she whispered in my ears, your father never loved you, it was all a lie. He's been pretending your whole childhood. And at eight and a half years old as a boy, man, that was like, that wrecked me, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I felt betrayal Mm -hmm. for the first time in my life. And it was betrayal from my mom. You know, if, if, if she's lying, how could she say something so hurtful? And if she's telling the truth, how could my dad do that? So I felt betrayal on both sides. And at that young age, I made an unconscious decision never to love again. And never to let anyone into that part of my heart because I never wanted to feel that feeling of betrayal again. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, my goodness. That's a deep, deep rooted hurt that impacts the way you view everything.
1: It does. And that's why I needed to put that context in there. Um, And fast forward from there, I chose my mom to live with her because I I say my mom was the better marketer. Uh, She promised unlimited sweets, uh, no rules and unlimited TV. And my dad promised rules and discipline. So she marketed better. I chose her. But life was tough in my teenage years, and I got into trouble. And, you know, it was just, I had closed off my heart. And I remember I made this other decision that I wanted my life to be different. I was raised in poverty. My dad struggled with the odd, you know, odd jobs and stuff like that. He provided, there was always food on the table, but it wasn't the best food, the highest quality food. So I said, you know, I want my life to be different. I want three things when I get older I want to be happy. I want to be healthy and I want to be wealthy. Very simple boy dreams, right? And at age 19 years old, I answered an ad in the paper. It was some co-founders looking for a partner, really to fill the business development side of things. So I joined their team and we built up a professional marketing company for national nonprofits. So most nonprofits, as you know, they suck at raising their own money, but they're great at doing that cause. So we went out there and I was the guy that built the team and I I built a team of 50 people hitting the streets and raising money for these awesome charities. Uh, and we did really good. And within 12 months, we hit $2 million in revenue. We looked back and said, what the heck did we just build? And then uh, we said, okay, we have a working model. Let's flesh out some of the bugs in it. And we duplicated it into multiple cities. And we did $2 million in every city.
0: Wow. Okay. So you chose your mom. Did you have a relationship with your dad after that or not? not really?
1: Uh, we did. It was, but every two weeks you get custody. You know, the weekends you go for the weekends. Yeah. So it was that. But again, I didn't. I had closed off my heart at this point because yeah. I didn't know who I can trust. So I made a decision. I only could trust me. Yeah. And yeah. that's what the rest of my life looked like was self reliance. I also closed off God, you know, and, and anyone. And it was just I'm gonna depend on me. I'm gonna go get what's mine in this world. The world promises money, success, and pleasure. Going to make me happy. I'm gonna get it, and I okay. did.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, what I love about your story is that at nineteen, you you joined a team of people who could. It sounds like they could mentor you in this process, and you guys could do it together. It wasn't just you on your own trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, that's well said. You know, I didn't have the operational side of things. I was nineteen, right? I didn't know how to run a business and pay bills and and run the numbers and balance sheets. I didn't know any of that, but I was good with people and I was good at hustling. Like my drive, I was just I would outwork everybody and to build that company, just so your audience knows what went into that. I worked 110 hours a week, no joke, 110 hours a week, every week. It was six days a week. I only had Sunday. I took a few hours and I had no life whatsoever that's what it looked like. It was all in because I wanted something different. But yes, I needed to partner up with others that could handle the other parts of running a business. I would have never been able to do it on my own.
0: Right, right. So you found people who were three steps ahead of you. You know, it's one of those things. Sometimes it's an accident. Sometimes we kind of, you know, God puts that opportunity in your path and you say, yes, it's not necessarily on purpose, but you can look back and go... Thank God. <laughs> Thank goodness there was those supports and mentors there. So how long did you work this business before you moved on?
1: I worked it about uh, four and a half years until I burnt out.
0: Okay, that happens. Doesn't
1: 110 happen. hours a week, we'll do that. Yeah. And I had more energy than most people could imagine. Like People would look at me and they're like, what are you on, dude? Like, cause I was just high energy running the sales meetings, motivating people nonstop. They go out for the day. I motivate them to go hustle and, and make the donations. Then they come back in and I'm there to, to, you know, motivate them. But I'm also out in the field all day with them. And then if they didn't hit their daily goal, I went out as the leader and I would go and do night work, we called it, and make sure I'd help that one person hit the, you know, four more donations that they needed. And that looked like standing in front of a Walmart or 711 till 1 in the morning sometimes to raise that final donation just so that I always stood for those people and I always supported them in them getting their their goals and I guess I I didn't know what I was really doing back then but I was really learning leadership mm-hmm. and leadership means in my mind, you go first right and and that was very important i couldn 't just say, "Hey, I want you guys to succeed and then you know when they came back without hitting their goals, I was like, "You suck, how could you not right No, it was like okay, you didn 't hit it. Let me get in my car with you let 's go get it together and that man, people really followed that, and that 's how I was able to maintain a, a sales force of fifty people in a very Uh, direct selling, turnover, high turnover business.
0: Yeah. And what you're doing too, is you're doing the see, do, teach. Often people need to see it done before they can absorb it. And so you going with them, they're learning the skills, they're watching you, and then they can duplicate you much faster than them trying to figure it out themselves. Because once you know the key words to say, it's not necessarily hard. But it can be a learning curve to figure that out. So because you're in the trenches with them, they could just learn from you much, much faster.
1: Yeah. And I think it would be very similar to... I know you're in the direct selling space and, as well. And it's. We had I developed a very simple pitch. And the, it didn't matter what walk of life you came from or your, your education level, your background. It, it didn't matter. I could take any person, teach you this 30-second pitch. And if you walk over to 100 people today and say this 30 second pitch, 80 people will say no and reject you. Guaranteed. Some will do it kindly. Others will do it rudely. 20 will always say yes. And it worked every single day with every single person. And that was our law of averages. So if you just did the work and made, you know, did the presentations, you knew your guaranteed uh, result. And I think it's very similar in your space, would you
0: say? Yeah, absolutely. So we say it's you know that numbers game where you just want to talk to as many people as possible um, because some are praying for you and saying, I'm you know, waiting for this opportunity. And some are going to look at you cross-eyed and be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right. So four and a half years, you now know what it's like to hustle. You know what it's like to build a business. You've learned sales leadership, back end of things, but yet you burned out. What did you do next? I
1: semi-retired for five years. Mm-hmm. At, at the ripe old age, I think I was like 24, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. 23-ish and a half. I don't know. Yeah. I uh, semi-retired for five years in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I partied away everything I earned and lost it all.
0: Okay. So you were living a 24-year-old dream life. At least you thought you were.
1: On the outside. <laughs> On, on the, the outside. outside. But I was miserable and lonely on the inside. Uh to the point that by the end of it, um, when I lost everything, I had considered taking my own life.
0: Okay. Is this when you got reconnected with your faith?
1: No. Um I <laughs> I was very slow back then. And um like I, w- I was the stubborn kind of guy that God hits upside the head with a two by four to get my intention and that was that stubborn ox or ass or whatever, jackass uh, that was me. And it took God stripping away everything for him to get my attention. But all that did was. Once I lost everything, very prodigal son story, like I lost everything. Uh, all the friends abandoned me, the girls, my permanent girlfriend dumped me on my birthday. This all happened within a two week time frame. It was very providential. When I lost everything and had no one, uh, I called my oldest sister, Teresa uh, in Florida because I was in Scottsdale and um, I was crying on the phone and I hadn't cried since I was a boy because I was the motivated, outgoing, you know, positive guy. Tony Robbins, all this stuff, right? And uh, I was just crying. And she was like, Joseph, this doesn't sound like you at all. And I was like, I've lost everything. I don't know what to do. And she said, Let me speak with my husband and let's see if you can come live with us for a little bit and rebuild your life. And that ended up working out. And I remember I. I uh, packed up my bags and I had a little piece of crap car left over after I lost everything. And I sold a little bit of my whatever I had left over for $300 in gas money. And I drove cross country in this little crappy car. And uh, I arrived in Tampa, Florida. And uh, I, I don't remember arriving. I just remember waking up the next day in a bunk bed with my little nieces and nephews jumping up and down going, uncle Joseph, uncle Joseph, uncle Joseph. And I remember this feeling of just being in this like loving, um, environment, just pure, innocent, beautiful or godly. And, uh, yesterday I was in darkness and that was the start of God pulling me back, bringing me home. I th- so I, I do think it's very prodigal son. It was like, and then people ask, you know, with the, in the prodigal son story in the Bible, you know, after the party and the celebration, the father welcomes him home. What was it like for the son the next day when he woke up, learning to live in the father's house again
0: mm-hmm.
1: after he felt so worthless and And that was really where I was in my life
0: now, there are maybe people that are listening that feel like they've lost everything, you know they're living paycheck to paycheck or or maybe even less. you know there is more months left than than money, feeling like. They're they're in over their head. There's maybe massive debt, feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, you know, the suffocating feeling. Uh, What would you tell them right now? Because they might not know that there is going to be another side, but you experience that darkness. And as someone who's now on the other side, what would you say to them?
1: Keep going. It always gets better. I've seen my life show up in stages. When I'm on top, there's always a fall ahead, always. When I'm on the bottom, there's always a mountaintop ahead, always. And, and that's how I've seen it, that's just what life is. And so many times we believe the lie of the enemy in our ear, the negative self-talk, that it's not gonna change, it's gonna be terrible, don't even try, give up, quit, end it all now, just end the suffering. And i think this is where many of our young people you know are taking their lives at an epidemic rate right now because they don't see hope because a lot of us you know in our generation are not passing that hope to them saying listen whatever you're going through it's going to be better like tomorrow or in a week or in a month it always gets better that's the evolution of life that's what life looks like and you learn to go up and down like with waves you know and, and learn to enjoy it and to surf the waves Like, that's the the beauty of it. So I would just say for whoever's listening right now, if you're on a low right now, if you're in a valley, just look up to God and just say, God, if you're real, show me you're real in my life in a way that even I can't deny. And then believe you will. Look for the evidence. He'll show up every single time. I promise you.
0: Amen. Amen. And I think, you know, not taking the highs too seriously and not taking the lows too seriously. You know, like you said, you were living on top of the world, but you really weren't. (laughs) <laughs> it didn't feel good. There's the, it wasn't as awesome as maybe it looked. And so sometimes when we take uh we, when we're experiencing that success, f- staying humble in the process, but then also when we hit a low, knowing that it's not the end. So you moved to Florida, you are now surrounded and living in love, which is very different than what you had experienced before. Tell me what God, what did God do next?
1: It was a long journey of learning to live it back in the father's house, as I mentioned, and um, I developed uh, an addiction that I didn't know i uh, I had never been addicted to anything, and I was very proud of it. I thought it was for weaker people addictions and uh, I was very naive back then, and I ended up uh, you know really just developing a an addiction for pleasure and uh, you know to your female audience out there, you know I'm sorry, I was a young guy and and I was trying to fill a void within me. And, uh, you know, I, I used a lot of, of girls in relationships for physical and, um, you know, it, it just went on for years and years. And then it got it came to a head uh, where it just became addictive and I couldn't stop um, at that point. And for the first time, I felt powerless and I had never felt powerless before. Um, and that was new. And, and I look back and I really see why God allowed that in my life. Because now I'm able to, with my own clients, to look right into the, that sense of powerlessness that they feel and to really just speak to it and give them words and give them hope and give them a way out because I was there first.
0: So you had another rock bottom.
1: Oh, yeah. It was a long one. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's been a journey for sure. <laughs>
0: Okay. So you know with addiction half of the battle is seeing that it's a problem. And, you know, cuz you can live in either the denial stage or thinking it's normal for a lot of years and at some point there was a, a time where you had to say, "All right, this is not this is this is a this is not the way I want to live my life." Tell me about that transition.
1: Yeah, that transition looked like um uh, I felt God just tapping on my my heart and uh, come spend time with me, come spend time with me, come spend time with me. And I just kept trying to block out that noise because I was rebuilding my life, my finances. And eventually it just became so loud. And I was just like, what? What do you want? Can't you see I'm busy? Like I'm trying to rebuild everything. And I somehow like projected it on him, like blame. How did you let this happen, God, even though it was all my choices that got me into it? And the, the, the noise just or the voice just kept persisting. And eventually I, I knew what he wanted. He wanted me to come spend time with him at the chapel and just sit there and quiet. So I said, fine, I'll tell you what. And I, I prayed one of the best prayers of my life, Denise. I said, God, here's all my bills. Give me enough money to pay all my bills off and I'll come spend time with you. And if not, I don't want to hear from you. Like that, it was audacious, but it was real. And God loves a real prayer. And uh, two weeks later, two of my friends, uh, who are very financially well off, doctor and a surgeon, uh, hired me for life coaching. And I was like, why would you want to hire me? My life's in ruins. They're like, yeah, but we see you're really good with this area. That's the area we're weak in. How much? And I said, what do you want specifically? And they said, we want this goal or whatever. How long will that take? to get us that I was like 30 days I could help you with that you could get me that in 30 days I was like I could get you that in 30 days they're like how much I was like this much they're like that's a lot of money Joseph I was like those are big big goals so you either want it or you don't and why do you care you got a lot of money and you're miserable in this area of your life so was it what's the point of having money and they I guess that was a strong argument Um, and they both cut me checks and they hired me and with that and a little bit of savings I was able to take off for eight months And my selfish, uh, the selfish person that I was, I didn't honor uh, the deal with God. I went and started partying with all my friends and uh, we rented homes in the Hamptons and beach houses and started living on the hog again until one of my godly friends that I had shared the prayer with called me out. And that's why it's important to have godly friends around you to hold you accountable and he said, hey, Joseph, you remember that prayer you said to God? I was like, yeah. Well, it sounds like God did his end of the deal. How you doing with yours? And I went "Ooh." and that hit and I uh, canceled my next trip. And I showed up at the church, the chapel the next day. And I said, God, I'm here. I'll give you an hour a day for two weeks. If you want to talk, let me know. If not, I'll just sit here. That was it wow. over the over the next two weeks. He put godly men into my life who invited me to godly events. And those events led to uh, me hiring uh, some godly coaches, spiritual coaches who guided me into learning how to quiet my mind in that time with God and really start to hear the quiet whisper of his voice speaking into my life and healing all the wounds from my childhood as a young boy who felt betrayed, who didn't know what, um, what it was to even be a man. And God just started speaking to me as a father does to his son. And that was new and different to me because I thought of him as the dictator and the tyrant. And now he's saying my precious son, my child. And I was like, why do you keep saying these wussy terms? Like, I'm a man. And in a second, I knew he was filling in those wounds that I missed out on in my own childhood. And from there, I, he poured his, my identity into me, who I am as a son. And then from there, he poured it, my destiny or, or my, my purpose into me. And I spent over 500 hours um, in quiet prayer, um, just listening to the God of the universe speak into me. And a lot of people, my like coaching clients say, hey, where do you get all this wisdom or whatever? It's like, dude, anyone can. Just go sit with the creator of everything. That's where the wisdom comes from. It's not me. Because mm-hmm. I just spent time with him in relationship. Relationship means give him time.
0: So I want to... Um, this is really, really kind of an interesting... I mean, your story is absolutely not boring. <laughs> Um, and a lot of people can relate to this because you experienced quote unquote success, financial success, business success, um, and defaulted to what the world said to do, you know, high life cars, houses, beaches, vacations, fancy, all this stuff. And you defaulted to that several times until you had a heart change until the, um, the the wounds um, were healed, you know, and and I often say, I have a e-course. And in the e-course, we have a whole session on release, because you cannot create your dream life if your emotions are three steps behind, and you're still holding on to the past, or these emotional tethers are connected to people in the past. And often, we don't think they're even related. Mm. and And we wonder why Life is the way it is now when we really haven't spent time healing what mm. has happened in the past. And once we heal, then we are whole. And it sounds like you spent those hours healing, not with uh, certainly with sitting and, and communicating with God, but also with your coaches and mentors and the godly people you surrounded yourself with. And as you healed, you really then could create the life you truly wanted. And now your mission is to be successful in all areas, not just in business, but also in relationships and to help other CEOs do the same. You've really been able to take what you've learned and pass it on to those who maybe were where you were three steps ago.
1: I get to. Um, yeah, I have a lot of guests on my other podcast, uh, Your First 100K, and I've interviewed uh, people that just crossed the hundred thousand dollar mark, and I've interviewed people that ha- did two hundred fifty million last year in their business, and all the way in between. And the number one thing that just kept coming up was imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. This is what they wrestle with. They feel like they're an imposter in their own life, and it goes right back to what you just said, Denise. They haven't healed yet. And a friend said it to me this way. Uh, actually my spiritual coach said it to me this way. He said, Joseph, uh, especially with men, right? A lot of father wounds happened, you know, when we we're young and, and girls as well, right? So, um, but it, think of it like a, a, a bullet wound or a gunshot wound. You got shot when you were a kid, emotionally shot, trauma entered in and the skin healed over it, but you never removed the bullet. What do you think is going to happen eventually over time, over the years, right? Bacteria, other stuff starts to form. There's this nagging, this pain, this ah, when you turn a certain way, you know something's wrong, but you forgot what it is. And so many people won't go and look in and or take it to the doctor. And, and say, hey, I think there's still a bullet in here. Can you go check? And we're scared to look into that darkness because we just want it to be done with. And, and I think it's very problematic. And, and you're so right. Until we look into that and do the inner work and remove the bullet, we don't fully heal. And if we don't fully heal, we don't have a foundation that's solid to build a life upon. You're spot on. But if you do the work and I promise you, it will be painful. It will suck, but it will only suck for so long. And then just like we said before, it gets better. But this time you'll have that life that you want. You'll have the relationships that you want. And the reason why I coach, uh, you know, CEOs and business owners, um, on body, mind and spirit. Um, is because I think that's, that's critical. That's the human person. Everyone gets that, that we're made in three parts. But where do we spend most of our time? We develop our body, right? We have personal trainers for our body, don't we? Right? We all have that, right? Coaches, we go to the gym, personal trainers, all this stuff, fitness gurus, we're doing all the classes. So we invest money into our bodies to look good, vanity. The second, our mind. All well, most of your audience probably reads a lot of books, gets educated, they hire business coaches, right? To develop the mind and the business strategies and how do I win and do better? So we really grow in our mind and we, and we have coaches for that as well. How many of us have a coach for our spiritual side? The side that actually matters, the one that's on the inside that makes you that, that happiness and joy and everything pour out from. So the one that matters the most is the one we invest in the least. And I think that's problematic. So really smart business owners um, hire me for that because they say, hey, I want all three. Why can't I have it all? And if I don't have the spiritual one, the other two they're not going to make me happy anyway. So they really start to get that. So that's why I do that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you're exactly right. How many I mean, nobody wants to be miserable, rich and divorced, you know? <laughs> and, and how and, many
1: people are though?
0: Exactly. Well, because we think that money is going to solve all the problems, but when one, you know, that that just is we always say money magnifies, right? And so if there's a lot of turmoil, it will just make the turmoil bigger. And if so that healing piece is so important. Honestly, it's the most important part of the program and my workshop that I do, even though we all would love to talk about goal setting and dreams and time management and all of the the tangible things. The healing piece is where people get the most breakthrough.
1: Yeah, I love that. It's like when clients come to me, they're like, I'm like, what do you want? And they're like, oh, Joseph, I want to 10x my business. Boom. I want 10x my clients. I want to 10x my referrals. I'm like, okay, great. Can you help me with that? Sure, I can. Absolutely. It's not going to be the way you think, though. Yeah. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to go inside and we're going to do some heart surgery. And when we get your heart right, your business gets right. Mm -hmm. You attract all the people. You attract the clients. When you, you get your heart right, your marriage gets right. When you get your heart right, your relationship with your kids get right. See, these are all the symptoms, but mm-hmm. we gotta get to the core problem. So that's what I do. I'm a heart surgeon. Right? I love it. I, I go in, but I, I don't do the work. I just show you how to access God the way he showed me. Yeah. So that God goes in and it's his power, his strength, his healing that cleans up the bullet wound in your, your life. And once it's clear, I promise you, your life's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Like, and, and fast forward, I got the woman of my dreams. I'm now doing what I absolutely love. And and I was a guy that shouldn't be here, but it, I finally surrendered. And that's what I teach my clients, the surrender principle. Tell us about
0: sim- that. What is yeah. that? Yeah,
1: Yeah. thanks for asking. Uh-huh. Um, it's simply this, Denise. Uh, the surrender principle was developed over the past 10 months or so since I started this spiritual coaching business. And it kind of just came out of working with clients. And the, the, it's the underlining principle of everything is that if you have an area of your life that's not working or you wish could work better, and we all have that, right? It's Here's the reason why it's not working or you're blocking or stopping something. It's because you're holding on to something in that area and not surrendering it to God. You're relying on yourself and your own strength to actually cure the problem that you created rather than giving it to God and relying on his strength, his power to go in and and heal it. So I teach my clients just uh, like five second surrender prayers that they can use throughout the day. And when something hits them, a storm or, you know, something they react to, they just say, father, I surrender to you blank. And they fill in the blank. And the second they do that, they release it back to him, to the one who is stronger than all. And they don't have to carry it. And what do you know? God comes in and actually makes it all work out. And it sounds so easy and so magical, but it's really simple. It's the surrender principle. It's let go, learn to let go and give up, right? And surrender is a a dangerous word, right? Especially with men. When we hear surrender, that sounds like weakness, right? In war, to surrender means you lost. Nobody likes to lose. So none of us want to surrender. But here's what's beautiful about it. The surrender in the spiritual space, spiritual surrender looks like when you surrender to God, who is stronger than you, you now get his strength. You become stronger. You get his clarity. You become clearer. You now can go in to your life and have more impact, more power in your relationships. And this is what happens. My clients are like, I don't know how it happened. I work with Joseph. We did the surrender principle thing. And all of a sudden my business, 10 X, my clients, 10 X my wife is deeply in love with me again. And it feels we have the tingles like when we were first dating and we were headed for a divorce because of my porn addiction. Like this is what God does. Mm -hmm. That's the surrender principle. Mm. Make
0: sense? Amazing. Absolutely. And, and it can feel magical because it is kind of magical. You know, I think it's so powerful. People often ask me, what do you do? Tell me what to do. If I were a fly on your wall, what do you do all day? How do you spend your time? And I got to a place where I was like, it's not about what I do. It's about who I be when I do it. And when you focus on that heart, when you when you be uh, connected, aligned, when, you've, when you, you are inspired and you've got the Holy Spirit and you're like in alignment, right? Mm. Woo, magic seems to happen. And when you do it, it's going to be better. So I love what you said as a heart surgeon, because at the end of the day, that inner work is what's going to reflect in the outer world. And so many times people try to do it the other way around
1: you're so right yeah it it's everything it's like when you do that inner work you're going to show up differently in your life okay. you're going to show up differently in your business you're going to show up differently in your relationships and what do you know you start to attract different results the things you've been dreaming about start to show up as miracles in your life and then it's important to give God the credit and thank him for that
0: now I know you have started Lots of different businesses. Tell us a bit about what you learned through your own ups and downs of taking a step out of your comfort zone, trying something new. And sometimes it didn't work. Sometimes it did. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned throughout all of those stages.
1: Mm. I've learned that I'm not very good at business. (laughs) I'm not. Uh, Looking back, I realized that about myself. I'm good at people. I'm good at relationships. That's why any businesses that did succeed, it's because I, I wa- the, the role that I filled was was uh, development, right? Um, uh, business development, people development, the teams, the sales, etc. because that's my strength. That's my area. Anytime I stepped out of that strength spot or that I, I uh, stepped out of my lane and into somebody else's lane, it those are probably all my failures mm-hmm. along the way. Um, and then there was a lot of those failures was because I didn't plan ahead because I don't like planning. You know, that's what it comes down to. And and I didn't have people in place that liked planning and then were good at planning. So I tried to do it on my own. I tried to wing it and Most of my business, uh, has been, um, trial and error. My, my entrepreneurial journey, trial and error. Yeah. I had, you know, two successes along the way, maybe three out of 10 or 11. Well, that's a lot of pain and suffering to take on for those two or three, right? Years of suffering. Is it worth it? Sure. It's worth it. But if I didn't try it, if I didn't go for it, you know, then I just live in this life of just, eh, and, to me, that's that's nauseating that that eh, existence. And, and I know so many people that just s- stay there because it's safe. It's comfortable. But I look you in the eye and I say, you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss. Start being a winner. Take a shot. Take a shot. It's better than eh.
0: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Stay in your strength zone. Plan ahead. Find people who can support you and what you're not as good at. Because, of course, there are people with those strengths and they can fulfill those roles. So, Joseph, how are you working with people now?
1: Spiritual coaching. Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So simply what I do, is this where I invite people?
0: Totally. Tell us all about it. (laughs) Okay.
1: I wasn't sure the question. I'm like, uh, good, I think. Um, Yeah. So uh, if any of your audience wants to get in contact with me or there's uh, a deep wound or a bullet they kind of suspect is still going on inside of them and they really want permanent healing, they could schedule a spiritual clarity call with me. Um, I don't charge for it. It's where they could spend 30 to 40 minutes with me one on one on a Zoom video chat. And we're going to, they're going to get two things out of it. We're going to get clear on what do you want in your life right now? Like, what do you want? And I know maybe you haven't asked yourself that in a long time because you don't even think there's, you know, anything hopeful or possible for you, but I promise you there is. And I'll help you find that. And then we'll see if we want to work together. And if we do, I'll show you how. And if we don't, that's totally fine, too. At least you walk away with some clarity in one area of your life, some huge breakthrough. And I, I can tell you, my, when people come on for spiritual clarity calls, I get tough. You know? So I don't sugarcoat stuff. I'm here to show you your blind spot and then give you a choice in the matter. See, right now, when you can't see the thing that's the thing underneath the thing, you don't have a choice in the matter because you don't even know what's causing it all. So I show it to you. I remove the blind spot for you and I put it right in front of you. you now you can choose left or right. Do you want to keep doing this eh, existence or do you want to actually go and create what you really want in your life? And then we can create a plan of action how to do that. So if that somehow touches you in some way, causes a little inspiration or maybe what if? I don't know about this guy, Joseph. He's kind of rough around the edges. Hey, take a shot. Take a chance. So you can uh, go schedule that call at josephwarren.net. That's josephwarren.net.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, all the links will be in the show notes below you guys, josephwarren.net. And what I think about is the fact that you habitually went down a road that wasn't serving you, but you didn't do it on purpose. You didn't even know you were doing it. And so you guys, if you are listening and you're like, why is this not working? Why do I keep making these choices or going down this road that isn't, it's clearly not serving me then you need to get a spiritual coaching call because it sounds like Joseph isn't going to just pat you on the back. He's going to ask you the tough questions that you want somebody to ask you so you can actually see change in your life and and take it from somebody who has been there, done that time and time again, and and has um, created a, a roadmap, a pathway for you to experience that healing and transition yourself. So Joseph, I've got two last questions for you. Okay. Because we know that it's easy to stay. eh. We know that it's easy to stay comfortable. It's easy. You know, sometimes I think I'm just going to be a mom and go on recess duty. And I love doing those things. But I also have more to give to the world, right? So I believe we can live both and. But we have to consistently fill ourselves and stay connected so we keep our vision strong and have the courage to keep going. Otherwise, we will shrink back to what's comfortable. So what do you do to keep yourself filled every day? Who are you learning from? What do you listen to? Tell us a little bit about your personal development routine.
1: Oh, got it. I teach my clients to do a 40-day holy hour challenge, which is... You heard previously in my story, spend an hour a day in silence, listening to God with a journal and then write down anything you hear, you sense, you feel, you experience, anything you see, anything. Just record. Don't judge it. Don't make it right or wrong. Just record it for an hour. Listen, stop talking. See, most of us were taught to pray by talking at God. God do this. God bless this. God help this person. God do this. And it's like God's our personal genie in the sky. And that's not the case. So that's, that's the biggest thing that I've done, I do, is the daily holy hour, is just spend an hour in silence every morning. And it's gotta be in the beginning, give God your first hour of your time, if you tithe your money, you should tithe your time. Tithe your time. It's the one thing you can't replace. Give that to God, that's how you put God first. And God says when you put him first in his kingdom, right, you get all the desires of your heart will be given to you. So people are like, well, how does that look practically? It looks like an hour of your time every morning to God, just sitting and listening for his plan for your life. Not what you think, because what we have to say to God Meh, really doesn't matter. What does he have to say to us? about us about who you are his plan for you that's everything so that's my number one daily habit you do that your life will not look the same a year from now guaranteed
0: well and i love you to do it with a journal Because I find that I get a lot of connection while I'm writing. And I will even maybe ask a question at the top of the journal and then just start writing. And I'll find um, this inspiration or connection that kind of comes through. And what's so cool is when you go back through your journals, you know, a year later, and you go, whoa, whoa, sometimes we don't see the progress or movement until we look back and see how God lined things up for us.
1: Yes. And Denise, let me comment on that as well, because so many times, like I have over 500 hours of documented time with God, right? Where he spoke his truth into me, right? And it wasn't an audible voice, Joseph, you are my son, right? It wasn't like that, but it was a knowing it was a sensing in the heart. Right. And, and the times uh, that, you know, like I said, when you're in, in on a mountaintop, there's a valley ahead. And so many times when I hit the next valley and I was feeling like crap again, and I'm just like, ah, and the enemy starts putting in negative self-talk in my head, I went back to my journal and I, I went to those mountaintop moments and I just read, you know, my identity and how God says you are my precious son. These are my plans for you, et cetera. And, and I that was my motivation. And it wasn't from a book like Tony Robbins or Zig Ziglar. It was from God, the creator of the entire bleeping universe, speaking to me one-on-one about my life. That takes me right out of that negative self-talk immediately. So that's the other benefit. It really carries you through the rough times as well.
0: Mm, absolutely. Um, my last question is, yes, besides this, besides your, your one holy hour, um, what is something else you do every day that you couldn't live without?
1: I make sure I kiss my beautiful bride, and I just love on her. Right? I'm recently married, June 29th, and uh, I make sure that I put her number two. God is my number one; he gets the first hour. My bride is my number two. We have a baby on the way. Oh yeah. My yeah. So March 20th we're due, um, but my baby will be my number three. Then everyone else. So in my single life, I used to live by this code. I am third. God first. Other second. I am third. Now, as my best man reminded at my wedding, Joseph, you're now fourth. All right? God is first. Wife is second or spouse is second. Then your kids. Then you. So that's something I do every day. And I'm, I'm present too. And that could show up in all different ways, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Because truly, you guys, we can thrive in all areas of life. In business in personal, in relationships, all areas. Our, my goal for you is to rank all areas a 10. Um, but that takes intention. It takes decision. It takes connection.
1: It takes surrender
0: it takes surrender. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys check out josephwarren.net. He also has two podcasts. One is called Broken Catholic Podcast, and one is called Your First 100K Podcast. Uh, the link to all of his resources will be in the description box below. And I know we have a lot of, of people listening who are connected in their church. And if you're looking for a speaker, check out Joseph, connect with him. I know he's looking for speaking gigs and and connection uh, all over the country. And as you can hear, he's got a message that people need. So thank you so, so much, you guys. And remember to dream big